this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to episode 83 of the Deep South Dharma podcast being released Sunday, September 27th, 2020. Our topic this time is what's so funny about disenchantment, dispassion, and release. I hope that you will put it on your calendar to join us either Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Central and or Wednesdays at 11.30. Saturday morning is Deep South Dharma's main practice time as a group. We're practicing online right now, and you can pick up the Zoom link at deepsouthdharma.org. And then on Wednesdays, I offer just a brief 20-minute meditation practice to sort of uh, break the spell of whatever stream of habits you're involved in midweek. So we do that Wednesdays, 1130. That link can also be found at deepsouthdharma.org. And then if you happen to be a self-identified white woman who is willing and interested in doing the work of dismantling white supremacy as it is baked into your own self-concept, Flowering Lotus Meditation has offered me an additional opportunity to offer the retreat called Meet the Manager. That retreat will happen Friday evening, October 16th, and then we will close up Sunday morning, October 17th. That full day on Saturday um, has, is, has a really flexible schedule to it. So if you want to have more information before you make the commitment, feel free to message me for a copy of that schedule. Otherwise, head over to floweringlotusmeditation.org to register. And for now, we will turn our attention to this week's discussion. In our Saturday morning group, the Deep South Dharma folks are studying the um, factors of stream entry. And as part of that, I ran across this particular sutta reading that really highlights that this path that we're studying and practicing, um, that this is one that results in disenchantment, dispassion, and release. That's one, one one set of translations for that. And so I want to talk about, you know, particularly in our culture, those first two words, disenchantment and dispassion. Um, We, you know, we are so, we're so fond of enchantment and passion that it's hard for us to understand how how this is part of uh, release from suffering. So I just wanted to um, highlight that a little bit I'll read the particular sutta, and then I'll uh, come back to this particular question because the sutta itself 
may and probably will answer that for lots of you. This is from the Angudra Nikaya. It says, just as when the gods pour rain in heavy drops and crash thunder on the upper mountains, the water flowing down along the slopes fills the mountain clefts and rifts and gullies. Then the water flowing down fills the little ponds, then the big lakes, then the little rivers, and the big rivers. When the big rivers are full, these fill the great ocean, and thus is the great ocean fed, thus is it filled. In the same way, when associating with truly good people is brought to fulfillment, it fulfills the conditions for hearing the true dharma. When hearing true dharma is brought to fulfillment, the conditions for conviction are met. When conviction is brought to fulfillment, it fulfills the conditions for appropriate attention. When appropriate attention is brought to fulfillment, then conditions for mindfulness and alertness are met. When mindfulness and alertness are brought to fulfillment, it fulfills the conditions for restraint of the senses. When restraint is brought to fulfillment, that fulfills the conditions for the three forms of right conduct. When the three forms of right conduct are brought to fulfillment, that fulfills the conditions for the four establishings, the four foundations of mindfulness. When the four establishings of mindfulness are brought to fulfillment, that fulfills the conditions for the seven factors of awakening. When the seven factors for awakening are brought to fulfillment, they fulfill the conditions for clear knowing and release. Thus is clear knowing and release fed. Thus is it brought to fulfillment. So a couple of things I want to highlight here. One is that the parallel here is the sort of the great ocean being this release that um, there can be that sense of sort of all of these, these uh, rifts and clefts and streams and lakes and rivers and sort of finally releasing into the big ocean. And that, um, that clear knowing is another way of saying disenchantment and dispassion. So one way I would highlight this is just to offer a reflection from um, in years past when I worked in, um, well, even now working in private practice as a therapist, but especially in working in treatment centers where people were dealing with really high high concentration of ego-driven craving, um, high concentration of um, suffering. And, um, you know, one of the things that I can remember in my early years of this, I uh, was working in an adolescent recovery program, and I remember um, a young man saying to me, I guess he was maybe three weeks into it, and talking about how just that week he had begun to notice what a relief it was to wake up in the morning and not have to think about whether he was going to have everything he needed for his fix that day, right? To his level of tolerance had gotten 
quite high. And so it was becoming harder and harder um, to, to have everything he would crave. And, and of course that kept climbing and climbing as, as happens with the nature of addiction, but it took some time. It took some time away to come out from, he's, I think his way of putting it was to say, when I first arrived here, I was here because, you know, my parents held certain things over my head. But when I first came here, I truly believed that I had been out there having a good time. And I run into that all the time, um, even outside of treatment settings. Of course, we all run into situations where um, it is pretty obvious to us that another person's habits are creating suffering for them, another person's attitudes, behaviors, their ways of dealing with people. Um, but you couldn't tell them they're not having a good time until, uh, until the karmic results build up to such a place that, that people even question what they're doing. And then, of course, anytime we see that in other people, it's really skillful to look at, okay, and what are the things that that I'm not aware of, you know, if I'm, what, if I'm sitting at the dining table, what is it that somebody else at that table would be able to look at my life and see that, uh, how I'm creating suffering? What is it, what are the ways that I think and speak and behave that they can see that I am making life harder for myself? Um, and sometimes even just asking ourselves that question, um, can give us some insight. I remember one time, um, a colleague uh, ha had a really neat journaling exercise she would have people do. And she would have people, um, you know, first she would have people do some writing describing, and this is what made me think of it, the, the dining table, you know, sort of like what was their typical evening at home like. And then she would ask them to write from the perspective of the salt shaker from this sort of, you know, non-attached, neutral uh, viewpoint of the salt shaker to describe each person at the table. And the insights that people gained were so amazing, not, not only for the insights themselves, which were considerable, but also the recognition that, oh, that, that I had that insight in me, but I was too fused with my own viewpoint. I was too attached to my own viewpoint. Um, but the, the moment I allow myself to imagine just being the salt shaker, observing things, I can see the situation with more, with more clarity, right? Disenchanted and dispassionate. The other thing that's important um, around um, just staying with the, the setup of a, of a helping situation for a moment, you know, is disenchantment and dispassion is as important for those who are trying to help. You know, delusion, if delusion were content to just stay in the body and mind of one person, you know, uh, that would be one thing. But this is where this is where anatta is actually most clearly illustrated for us in our everyday everyday world, which is to say that when one person um, is thoroughly caught up in craving and/or aversion, that 
they are never just affecting themselves. And this is part of how we can see that there is no such thing as a self-existent, self-reliant, disconnected being. Um, it not There's not a permanent self in, in that sense of that word. So we really see Anatta in the fact that when you have someone under a delusion, it sets a whole network of people and situations grappling, spinning with how to address that. And if we get caught up in the, we might not be caught up in the disenchantment, right? We might, it might be clear to us that, oh, this person is suffering under a delusion. But if we don't have the freedom that comes from dispassion, we will get sucked in. Not sucked into the delusion, but sucked into fighting with it, sucked into, and, and in doing that, we harden our own delusional sense of a separate self. Like, I'm going to tackle this. I'm going to bring my loved one to their senses. I'm going to make this employee behave the way I think they should behave or, or what have you. So, you know, the more, and, and, and so for people who are in helping situations, one of the most skillful recognitions we can have is those moments when, oh, I'm feeling caught by this moment. I need to, you know, I am letting for, for just for ease of communication, I'll say, you know, it's like, I feel my own ego getting engaged and that it's not that the ego is a separately existing anything either, but, but that feeling of I'm caught, I'm hooked and, um, and, and I'm, you know, ready to fight. The fact is, is that um, we are most well-equipped to help people come out of delusion when we ourselves are not caught up in all the egoism. And so taking this out of the realm of treatment centers and taking this into the realm of the worldwide human intervention, uh, human family intervention that, that people are working to affect right now, we, it, it becomes really important to realize when there are times that, yes, we are, we are right when we are seeing that there are those who are enchanted by, um, by killing, by power grabs, by stealing, uh, by greed, right? By sexual acting out and exploitation of innocent people, by uh, the misuse of communication in, in, in pretty egregious forms um, and, and completely intoxicated with all of the above. Um, and intoxicated with mind-altering substances, mind-altering activities, you know, it, it's so, it's too easy to get caught up in sort of a self-righteous passion when we see that going on. But if we want to help create a different situation, if we want to help create a more just world, we, it's not that we are to become dispassionate in the sense that uh, what that we typically mean it in our culture. We're not talking about being apathetic. 
We're not talking about numbing out or going to sleep to the pain of it, but we are talking about um, being aware of how our own craving and aversion can get hooked. And then before we know it, we are trying to operate as this individual self-sufficient self at war with the world. And that does not bring release. So when we look at this dance that we have to do between the inner work and the outer action, what we can see is that it needs to be kind of a continuous flow of a dance. I think of ballroom dancing and square dancing, these dances where partners dance close together and then take a few steps apart and then dance close together and take a few steps apart. Our experience with the world is is best met that way, where we take time apart to refuel, to disengage from uh, egoic uh, tendencies, to see our um, to see our feelings, thoughts, perceptions, motives as as arising and passing, to see them as impermanent, to see the ways, the places that they cause stress. And to see that these are not self. And if we any of them are getting in the way of our being able to serve the world in a, a useful way, then um, we don't have to hang on to those. And then we're going to have times where we need to balance that inner work with the outer work of making donations, of voting, of um helping other people get access to voting if their access is being blocked or impinged on. So, um, and that's just, I mean, that's just one sliver of, of things going on in the world today. We also may choose to take part in the um, fundraising drives to address hunger in the world, such as the ones that Buddhist Global Relief um, are doing in this, in this season. So there are important things to be done, but we must balance that out with cultivating this path that, that leads to disenchantment, dispassion, and release. Um, so I'll leave it there for now. And we'll talk in future weeks about some other, some other things mentioned in this particular sutta. Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle.
am really grateful for my connection to you, a person who would listen to a podcast about the Dharma. If you know others who might value this podcast, please do share it with them. And if you would like to be involved in the financial support of this podcast, you can do that for just 99 cents a month at anchor.fm slash deepsouthdharma. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.